Hey, welcome to another podcast. Today I'm talking to Jay Jack. Jay is a really interesting character with a completely unique background. You're not going to find anyone like him. Uh, he grew up involved in dogfighting. And then obviously as he started to, to get a little older, realized it was morally wrong. He's a former MMA fighter, still very involved in the MMA community and is also a dog trainer. So he has this really interesting perspective and Having done this podcast, I can see why he has such a following. Um, he certainly led me down a lot of rabbit holes. He's also created his own um, sport called GRC. So after this podcast, I was so kind of interested that I ended up attending my first GRC event uh, last weekend, invited by a guy called Finn McCabe, who's was fantastic. Uh, he's created his own club in the southwest of England called Underdogs GRC. Really appreciate all of your help, Finn. And then also while I was there, I also met Bethany Grace, who runs the Bullbury podcast and also has started her own club in the southwest of England called Jurassic GRC. I think this is a sport that is going to grow a lot. So I think we're at the beginning of it here in the UK, and I really think you should give it a look because it's such an interesting sport centered around canine fitness, having basic control of your dog of course. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I think there's huge lessons to be learned from it. Um, and I'm definitely going to try and take those lessons away. And yeah, I really enjoyed this podcast and I think you are going to too. So let's get started. Hey Jay, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I've been kind of going through all of the episodes I could find of in people interviewing you especially because you have such an interesting story really unique story actually i don't know anyone that has any kind of anything close <laughs> yeah i have a lot of people that always i have a lot of people that always screw with me and tell me like oh man you got to write a book or make a movie it's like a joke it's like it would be like uh if saw met forrest gump or something do you know what i mean it's just like these weird, <laughs> these weird like life alterations you're like it's this movie for a little bit and then it totally switches to this it's like I've had a whole bunch of really interesting uh, evolutions in my life, but yeah, yeah. I, like I still think it's strange. Like I'm not, I wasn't supposed to make it this far, dude. You know what I mean? Like I'm not supposed to be almost 50. Like I was supposed to die when I was really young, you know? So it's kind of, I'm always like a little bit shocked that any of this is happening still. Yeah. Well, that makes a human being that has so many incredible stories. I was listening to you on the Canine Paradigm podcast, actually. I was speaking about that before you. We start recording um, and listening to you tell your story of starting out um, being like, I don't know how you want to put this, like being involved in dogfighting, but from a young age, right? You kind of like yeah. grew into it. Like you grow up around it. Like when you're 10, you don't really get to choose what you're around. Like it just is your environment is your environment. You know what I mean? And just like I grew up in, uh, in Louisiana and it was just, Dogfighting was just part of the life. You know what I mean? It was just, it was around you. It was just what it was. And like people fighting too. Like I fought like, like everybody, we fought. I mean, I saw chickens fight. I've, saw, I've seen fish fight. You know what I mean? Like it's just like fighting was just like combat appreciation was just part of the culture. You know what I mean? And, and it wasn't, it's, it's when you get older, you start to go, I get to have preferences and choices. Do you know what I mean? And around 
15 or so, I was like, something is sitting weird with me. And like, and I couldn't, I couldn't put it together because it was like, some part of me this is going to sound terrible. And I hope people give me a chance because <laughs> when I start saying shit right off the bat, people are like, yeah, and turn it off. But it's like, there was something about it <clears throat> oddly that was beautiful. And then there was something about it that made my stomach have knots. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I couldn't reconcile it because like I enjoyed fighting and thought fighting was beautiful. And like, we'll watch my family fight. My wife fought professionally for years. I watched my wife get, kicked in the mouth at the Trump Taj Mahal. And it was one of the most beautiful nights I've ever seen. Like I, I love her tremendously for her, her, her heart, you know, but it, so some part of me was like, yeah, this is beautiful. But another part of me couldn't handle, like it hurt my stomach and I couldn't figure out why. And it, it took me years to reconcile the difference. You know, it took me years to figure out what my problem was, but about 14, I was like, not into it. And, and, it was really strange because one of my buddies, one of my buddies got arrested and he had a litter of puppies on the ground. And like, I took his puppies and cause they were going to confiscate him. I took his puppies and it's like, I was looking for homes. This was in the eighties. I was looking for homes for these like beautiful old family red pit bull puppies. And just, if you knew what they were, you couldn't have, do you know what I mean? If somebody was like, Hey man, is that an OFR? I was like, get the fuck away from me. You can't have them. <laughs> run away, run away. Like you can't have them. Cause I know what you're going to do. Like, I know what you're going to do. And then if somebody was like, what a beautiful, is that a, is that a Labrador? And you're like, okay, <clears throat> you might be able to take one, but we got to talk because you have no idea. So I was kind of put in the world of explaining those dogs to people that were utterly unfamiliar with those dogs like before the pitbull advocacy was like <clears throat> a cool thing i was trying to explain what you were going to get into to these people so i kind of got into that position of advocacy or not training but just explaining how to live with a dog that is like a high drive working game bred dog like how to exist with that dog without conflict you know and i was doing that at 14 and it was really it was really strange that accidentally put me in a in a position to be a even though I was like 15 16 year old kid it put me in a position of people asking me it's like I was an authority figure about it and I wasn't supposed to be I wasn't trying to be for sure but it's like I've I've been in martial arts since I was five and so like I've always been in a gym and when I'm in the gym my dog is always with me because I just was that kid that I was like my dog's gonna be with me unless somebody tells me they can't be but because of you know, who my family was and, and who I am. They're like, they're not going to say anything <laughs> to me. I didn't realize I was being, uh, I didn't realize I was putting them in one of those making offer. You can't refuse positions. Like I just walk in straight faced with my dog, like nothing. And I'm going to make you tell me to stop. But then like, they would go, Fuck, this is just going to be a bigger problem. Like just leave it alone. Just let him have his dog. Fuck it, whatever. But then like, it was kind of a captive audience. I'd have a hundred people in a gym seeing me with my dog that's just cool you know what i mean like a good no conflict relationship with my dog and that would make people go how'd you do that can you help me with my dog you know what i mean so i like yeah. my whole life has been people asking me for advice about bulldogs you know so it wasn't a thing that i set out to try to do but 
yeah, I just wound up in that position of trying to explain bulldogs to non-bulldog people my whole life, you know? That's really interesting you say bulldogs. Like, because when, when you say bulldogs, what we think of is like, or what I think of as English bulldogs, you know? <laughs> Big, lazy potato dogs. <laughs> so, the, the, yeah, you know, what's funny is if you if you go back and read history books about about pit dogs, they almost always refer to them as bulldogs. It's just bulldogs like my, like almost how nowadays it's popular to say bull breeds or bully breeds like and just be an all encompassing thing like they used to just call pit bulldogs bulldogs. And it was almost like a. It was almost like a, uh, not elitist is the wrong word, but like, I didn't know there were, I didn't know what regular dogs were until I started working as a dog training profession. Cause I never, I had nothing but game dogs and people would come to me asking advice about game dogs. People, I heard you're the guy that is good with pit bulls. I'm like, sure. And like, I just never, my whole life experience was like game dogs. And then I would get around regular folk with regular dogs and be like, I, don't, I almost don't even know what this is. Like, I don't, know how to, I don't know what to do with this. Like, they don't even want to hit a tug toy. You know what I mean? They have no, there's no spite in them. And I was just like, wow. Like, I had to learn a whole new skill set for dealing with regular dogs. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, bulldogs. Like, that's what dogs, like dogs were game bred pit bulls. Like, that's what in my brain a dog was. And so I was just like, we just say, so yeah, it's bulldogs. And then yeah. not knowing other people think something totally different. Like they think about the little fat, you know what I mean? Like a spherical yeah. fucking dog. They can't breathe. Skateboard dogs, you know, <laughs> dogs you will see on a skateboard. Yeah, man. But, but yeah. yeah, so I, yeah, I, I, I still kind of go back to my background and just refer to them as bulldogs most of the time. So obviously you mentioned the dog fighting there and uh, I think most people don't have any experience with dog fighting they don't know how it works really other than like what you see on like reality programs on television Dude, it's, so, it's like uh, one of the things that happens to me when i go around teaching seminars and stuff now is that people like just do not understand what dog fighting was and i know that sounds really weird like but it's almost like i don't know shit about hurting like herding dogs. I don't know the particulars. I'm sure it's a very nuanced and particular thing that they do. Right. I'm, I'm certain there's so many details and I don't know shit about it, but if I just made up a herding, like, I'm just like, okay, this is what I imagine it is. Right. Like they let the dogs out of the truck and they, you know, push all the cows into one area and the handler probably, directs one way or the other and the dog figures that you know what I mean like and they and they do that's what they do right and they nip and they jump back and they nip and they jump back I could describe it and I'm probably 95 percent you know I'm sure I'm missing some nuance and there's some probably very important details they're like well you what you don't know is there's a whistle and I'm like oh shit I had no idea about the whistle you know what I mean like I, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'm sure, sure that I'm sure that I don't know some things but I'm probably 90% accurate and I could make that up about agility dogs. And I could make that up about dock dive and disc, not dock dive, like bloodhounds tracking. I, I could just imagine what I think. And I'm probably 90% accurate, you know, but when people imagine what they think about pit dogs, 
they are so wildly off the mark, like so unbelievably off the mark. And that to me is problematic because so many trainers work with bulldogs now, like so many trainers have pit bulls or variants or whatever, like, but with that history, with that blood, you know, in them, and they do not understand what they were selectively bred to do, which means your choices and handling are different. Like imagine how frustrated you would be with a bloodhound if you did not have any idea about sniffing, like just none, like just confounded by the like, why is their nose constantly on? I just don't understand. You'd be annoyed with them. It would fuck up your training plans. You wouldn't think about how to set up your room. You wouldn't bother to like really take all the smelly stuff out of a room if you're trying to train a new skill because you would have no idea how drawn by their nose they are because every other dog you've ever trained has never not been able to get their nose out of that fucking corner. You know what I mean? Or like a border collie. Like if you don't understand what the dog was designed for, it makes it more difficult to make, you know, elegant training choices. And you also don't understand what you're dealing with. So like you could avoid problems just by understanding what they are. Could you like give us like a, I know that this is is probably, it would take a long time to explain it fully, but could you give us a, a, like a summary? Okay. So here I'll, I'll give you the, like the, the, the top things that people go, Oh shit. I had no idea. <laughs> like that's perfect. things that people are like, wow, that's crazy. So, I mean, what you got to think about is this, uh, how do you win a dog fight? Um, I don't know. I have, I have no idea, Jay. Honestly, I have no exposure to it. I would guess, is it like sumo? They get pushed out of the ring? <laughs> no, no, no. So they get held is, down? They get held so down, this right? Is, like this that. is immediately, this is like one of those base level, like, wow, yeah. what the fuck, right? Yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> now, uh, there's the, the rules most people follow around the world are called Cajun rules. Um, they were founded, honestly, they, they were invented by uh, or written down by a sheriff in Louisiana like of all things that's how illegal really? that's yeah. crazy oh yeah i can't remember the guy's name i could look it up but like yeah f- a sheriff was like listen we need rules to this sh-. <laughs> wrote out the rules so most people fight by cajun rules anyway well and rule sets are different around the world but they're all very similar because the idea is very similar so there's this line in the corner called scratch right scratch is a line on the floor and have you ever heard the term up to scratch yeah. Like up to scratch or, or, or toe the line, like, like toes on the line, toe the line. That is dogfighting vernacular, right? So what happens is you ever watch two dogs like wrestle, play fight, like wrestle? Sure, sure. And then one of them like shies away, like turns their butt or something, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. There follows an analog. Like what you hear is uh, in MMA, they say if you're not intelligently defending yourself, like in all combat sports, if there's a, this being looks like it's done. There's a check. Like now in MMA, we don't check. We just stop the fight. Right. But back in the day with boxing, you'd give a standing eight count. Right. And the standing eight count shit didn't happen in like 1860 something. The Marquis of Queensberry set up rules for human fighting that differentiated animal fighting from human fighting. Up until then, we fought by the same rules. Like classically, we fought by the same rules. In 1860-something, Marquis of Queensbury decided they were going to make Queensbury boxing rules, and they changed it, uh, a bunch of rules, and that went down the path of what boxing is now. But the idea is that if you look like you're not in the fight, like if you – they call it a turn, uh, the judge can – the ref can call it a turn. And if it looks like the dog is not in the fight, they separate the dogs, take them back to their corners, turn them to face each other. The dog that 
turned gets let go first. And if that dog does not go across the line, the fight's over. So literally it's based on consent. When that dog says, I'm not going back in, fight's over. We're done. Does that make sense? So they scratch. Yeah, does that happen a lot though? Scratch, turn and scratch. Yeah, I mean, it happens a lot. Yeah, like it happens quite a bit. Um, really? I, yeah, oh, that's really, interesting. Really like, good dogs, really, really good dogs. No, clearly they're going to go. Most most dogs aren't dead game though. Most dogs are going to, at some point, they don't scratch, right? Now that's in your normal pit dogs, right? But like really, really good dogs would obviously go till they're dead. But I never saw a dog die in a pit. Like I've had known a couple of dogs that died afterwards from hypovolemia and stuff, but like I've never seen a dog die in the pit because you got to understand as misguided as those dudes are, they are deeply love their dogs. Like they believe they're wrong, of course, but they believe they're seeing what I see when my wife fights in the cage. I see this being reaching this part of themselves that they can't reach another way and like this digging deep and the end of karate kid and the end of Rocky and like all the movies that we watch where the person like, you know, dun, 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 and they start to get back up off the canvas one more time. And we're all like, Oh, we're just so moved. And it's so amazing. Right. They're wrong, but they believe that's what they're seeing. And they love their dogs, man. They bred this dog. They raised this dog. They spend time with this dog. They develop really serious bonds with their dogs. Right. Like, one of the things we see, though, Jay, is like you see these uh, reports of like, oh, you know, they found a mass grave of dogs associated with dog fighting. Oh. What's the truth about that? It's like, look at MMA. There's MMA. And that's not unethical or improper. I mean, ideally, you don't think that. Right. But then you'll see videos of like crazy shit, like where it's two dudes on concrete and like there's. You know what I mean? They're like, they're fucking power bombing their heads into concrete, like in Russia right. somewhere. And then people are like, wow, MMA is fucked up. And you're like, dude, that's not really. So you're saying those are like. Really there's, there's shit happening now. Like the world is out of control. There's shit happening now. That's just torture porn with dogs. Do you know what I mean? Like I've heard stories about people like they lock two dogs in a trunk and shut the door. And then whoever lives, I mean, but you got to understand that is like spectacle torture. Shit. The big stories I remember, uh, there was a big American football player one there. I can't remember his name. Michael Vick. Yeah. 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 Like I've like, thought he's, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all the old time dog fighters that I know also were not pleased with the guy. You got to understand like there's a, there's a thing called, if you look this up, like all this shit's out there. It's just nobody bothers to look. Right. Uh, look up old school pit bull keeps k-e-e-p-s right a keep that's the word they use like we use the word camp in human fighting like you have a camp before a fight you have a keep before a fight and so like if you read this stuff man it it sounds like it was written by fucking suzanne clothier or something like it is the original relationship based training now it's a little bit coercive in the sense that a dog that loves you will fight longer than a dog that's fighting out of anger, that dog quits sooner than a dog that fights like to please you, which again, sounds like a really coercive and shitty thing, but go back to, and, and, and again, it is wrong, but they're misguided. They're not 
they're just misguided, right? Like I try to still reach them because they deeply love their dogs. If you look at the end of the Rocky movie, dude, Rocky's done. He's laying down. He's done. He's got ass whooped. He's done. What is what is the line that gets him to fight again? That everybody thinks is beautiful and we get chill bumps and we think it's such a romantic, amazing, beautiful movie. The guy sticks his head in the ring and goes, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. And he's like, yeah, because Mickey." he did not want to fight anymore. That kid was done. He didn't want to fight anymore. Rocky was done. But get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. And then the music starts and he comes out and fights. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. They they believe incorrectly. They believe that's what they were seeing. But in order to see that, you have to have the love. In order to have the love, you have to spend time. So if you read old school keeps, they're saying things like, "Take the dog with you everywhere. If you go to town, take the dog to town. Let him in the house. Give him like there's hour long massages after you do a training session. If the training session's an hour, you give him a rub down for a fucking hour. Like they." bond the fuck out with those dogs because i mean partially coercive because it gets them more fight but also in their head they believe they're creating this beautiful coach athlete bond you know the the other thing jay that everyone is terrified of and you see it always time on facebook and stuff like that is you know oh no uh they're terrified that their dog is going to be stolen and used as a bait dog. I mean, you got to, okay. So one topic at a time, cause I got to stick to, I'll, I'll go all over. Okay. Five. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> the idea of the idea of the fight, right? Uh, so if, if it's scratch and turn, right? Like they turn, they, they face back, they get scratched. The dog has to make the choice to go back in. How long do dogs fight? Dog fights last. Like what's that? Uh, what's what's the amount of time? Dog I, I feel like you're making me look like such an idiot here, Jay. Oh man, dude, this is—I'm <laughs> telling you, I go everywhere in the world and I ask a room full of trainers. And unless there's somebody that's been following me and has read books, everybody's like, yeah. "Fuck, I don't know." But imagine asking people, "Hey, what do what do border collies do?" And you just have a room full of people that go, "I have no fucking idea." You're like, "Man, how hard would it be to train a fucking border collie?" So how oh, long do dog bites last? I have no idea. Honestly, I would be taking a guess. Take a guess. Well, I'll take a guess. I'll take a guess. 15 minutes? Longest one on record is five hours. Wow. Right? That's it's crazy. literally said that a fight less than 20 minutes doesn't tell you anything about the dog. Any piece of shit can fight for 20 minutes. Any, any, how many people could get in the ring and do one or two rounds? You know, just ah, go crazy. They do one or two rounds. But man, that's why they call it championship rounds. Do they break it into rounds in dogfighting? No, but so the, the rounds, even before the Marquis of Queensberry, rounds in all fighting dog and people were based on the turn. That's what the standing eight count represents now. That's not an end of a round, but like they give you a stop to see if you want to keep right. That's why the ref does that brush the gloves on your chest and he backs up. You have to step to him. If you don't follow him forward, you don't want to fight. So okay. you know what I'm saying? So like sure. we're still checking the stretch in human fighting as well. In MMA, we can't do that because the it could continue on the ground. And so there is no way to put in a scratch. There's no way to put in a standing eight count type thing in fairness to the grappler. So that's off the table. But in every other style of fighting, there's that, there's that scratch check, right? Like you got to make sure they still want to fight. Um, but yeah, so they would call it rounds. 
dogs. So, so they don't break the dogs up at all unless they have that situation. If one, if one turns, if the ref calls a turn, he says white dog's turning, they break the dogs, they go back to their corners, they scratch the white dog. If that dog goes across the line, the other one lets them go, they they meet in the middle and we just scratch and turn, scratch and turn until the dog says Oh, no. so that happens like frequently then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. So it's like there's turns and scratches until one dog refuses to scratch, right? You said the longest fight was five hours, but like what was, what was average? Like what was... 20 minutes is considered so short you can't learn anything about the dog because any dog will... Rah, I'm not going to quit for 10, 15, 20 minutes. But after a while, adrenaline and anger and bluster, all that shit goes away. So they're they're frequently in the hour-long, couple-hour marks. Frequently. Yeah. Wow. But that's interesting because, again... A, a horror show to think about, but then changes your strategy a little bit. Cause like, I'm not purely positive by any, any means, right? Like I'm not a purely positive guy. However, I train on flat buckle fucking collars and I don't use pain as a strategy just because it's nonsense. Like it's not like if I grew up working with shitty soft purse dogs, maybe I would have made those choices and fucking smacked them and said like, Hey, stop it. Cause if that solves all the problems, then fuck a wicked. We I'd smack you on the butt and we have all the problems solved. Maybe that works for some people. I don't know. But like, dude, I have dogs that are voluntarily walking face first into a wood chipper and not like, because they're aroused. I'm talking two hours in broken leg, eyeball hanging out. And you're like, you want to go back in? And they go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how am I supposed to fix his reactivity with a fucking prong collar, dude? (laughs) I'm going to give you a shitty half step. Like he's willing to get actually bitten. But I'm going to give him the little imitation. But I mean, come on, bro. Like, it's just nonsense. Like, it's just nonsense. I would be, honestly, I would be super disappointed in my dog if he stopped because of a prong collar. <laughs> like, if that sure, works. Sure, sure, sure. This actually is like. And I'd want to give him back. I'd be like, I don't yeah. How am I supposed to yeah. love you if that's what you are, dude? You're just soft as shit. Like, yeah. yeah so sure, it just, sure. it changes, it changes the way you would select training concepts based on knowing the dog. If you know you got a dog that will take a bad beating for multiple hours, it changes your selection of, I'm going to just hit this button or check this prong and make you stop. Like it changes your idea. You're just like, this is just nonsense. Like it's, that's just fucking fruitless. It makes no difference. Like I have to come up with another way. Now I absolutely still use punishment. Me personally, I still use punishment. Sure. Sure. But it is because of the dogs and the nature of those dogs, it is almost entirely social in nature. And I really give give me an example. Literally like disappointment. Do you know what I mean? Like like straight up. I'll tell you right now, the most brutal punishment event I've ever given a dog ever. They fence fight. I just gotten the dog like we'd had. I'd had the dog for a couple months or something. And uh, we had a relationship, but I hadn't been able to solve some of these problems. He had some pretty deep seated issues. Like he was, who knows what the fuck happened to him. When I got him, it was from a police raid on a, on like a crack house. And he was tied up <laughs> to a tree outside on a real short chain, neck all fucked up scars everywhere. Who knows? I mean, I'm not going to make up a story, but like clearly bad life. His frustration intolerance was the worst I've ever seen in my life. Like if, if you, 
even raised, if you raised your voice, like if you went uh-uh, place and the next time you said place, you went place that you just changed it. And he would just pew, pupils blow out and want to fight. And you're like, holy shit. Like you, you could have zero conflict with this dog without it turning into a death match. Right. And so he taught me to be very patient. Um, but he got into a fence fight, he grabbed a grip to dog's nose through a fence and I got him off the bite and I'm like, okay, social time, social punishment. I was like, you know what? Fuck you. You're dead to me. I put him in a crate. I ignored him for 36 hours. Now I took him out. I fed him. I watered him. I took him out to the bathroom, but I literally did not acknowledge his existence. So when he cried, I didn't even go stop crying because that means you exist. I stood there with a leash waiting for to go to the bathroom and he pawed my leg and I didn't go stop doing that because I'm dead robot, 36 hours. Came out the next day at lunch, looked at him, went, hey, there you are, buddy. And he's like, holy shit. Oh my God. And starts kissing me like, holy crap, dude. I thought I broke us. And I'm like, no, 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 we're good. I'm back. We're cool. No problem. But let's have a discussion about what you learned. Walked him out to the fence. He looks at the dog. Dog blows up, looks at me, goes, Fuck that. I'm not doing that. And I say, yay. And we start immediately differentially reinforcing incompatible alternative and other behaviors. Yeah. That's really interesting because a huge punishment event, but I didn't put a fucking hand on. Here's my assumption about working with dogs from that background. Uh, Because we actually don't see a lot of them where I live and we don't see a lot of uh, X fighting dogs. Yeah. but I assume when you have a dog that has that kind of genetic background or even like has a history of fighting, that it becomes more of a question of like sometimes people call it anti-socialization, like just teaching them to ignore other dogs versus getting that dog to a point where it's like going to the park and playing with other dogs. I would imagine that's kind of unrealistic for most of them. So playing with your average dog is likely never going to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Because Dogs negotiate, man, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. Um, Dogs negotiate through threats of violence. Does that make sense? Like that's just humans do too. When we're absent language, like with language, we can discuss things and avoid the whole negotiating through pressure and threats of violence. But like, just that's the way it is. Like in, in the dog world, you assume a yes and you're forced to say no. Right. Like that's just, If I'm chewing a bone and another dog wants the bone, they can't walk up and go, pardon me, sir. But when you're done, might I have some of that? Like they can't talk. You you do see like um, appeasement though, don't you? Yeah. But appeasement is trying to avoid going up the ladder. Like there's this ladder of, it's like uh, raises and calls, like in poker, right? Like if we're playing poker and we actually get to the point where we lay our hand down, whoever's got the better hand wins. That's like two dogs actually fighting for realsies fighting not like yeah 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 like you know whatever but like actually fighting right mm-hmm. it's like there's a continuum it goes stillness pressure sound touch then actual honest to god fighting right uh, this is why i find you so interesting jay you have like such a different way of viewing dogs it's <laughs> it's interesting well i mean it, maybe it's just based on my background who knows i could be totally wrong fuck who i know but <laughs> <laughs> It seems to play out, so we'll see. But it's like uh, people are the same way. This is important. People are the exact same way. Like you work in security, go to jail, like work in, work in an environment, live in an environment where conflict is a possibility and we have the same thing. So there's stillness. Like you'll see a dog chewing on a bone and another dog walks up. Now this dog has to just walk up and they have to do the, I'm going to walk up and act like you're going to share with me. 
And if you don't say no, then that is in fact what happens and we share. You know what I mean? And if you don't want to share, you have to go, I don't want that. First sign is stillness. They go, nom, nom, nom. and you'll see that, you know, <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. dead stop. Like and most dog trainers know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That sound you hear. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is a problem, right? That that's the first step up the ladder of negotiating. Now, if that dog goes, Ooh, shit, I see that and walks away. Cool. No problem. If that dog goes, come on, you don't want no problems and starts being really appeasing. Maybe he prevents the guy from going up the ladder and he coerces a yes out of him, but he's got to assume a yes and, and get a no. And the dog has to say no in a way that is believable to the other dog or the no is not going to work. And he's going to keep coming and assume the yes. And that's just what they do. Like that's people do that shit too, when they don't have language. And so it's like stillness. It's like, uh, we're playing poker. We don't even, most poker hands aren't won by laying your fucking cards down. I push a bunch of chips out and you go, Oh yeah, I'm all set. And you fold. And then afterwards we find out, Oh shit, I had a shitty hand. But we won that hand without laying the cards down. So they do the same thing. It's like, they'll go, I'll make stillness. And the other dog goes, okay, you make stillness. I make pressure. Pressure in this respect, I would say, I describe it to people. There's three spotlights, right? Are you doing video on this or is this just audio? Yeah, yeah. I am, but some people might just be listening to the audio. So I'll try to explain it, but go watch the video, right? So like if I turn off to the side, right? I'll take my glasses off so you can see. I turn off to the side. Even if I'm standing this far away from you, there's not a ton of pressure because I'm off. If I put my eyes on you, there's some pressure. My face and my eyes go on you, there's more pressure. Face, eyes, and chest go on you, there's more pressure. And if you lean in even a little bit, those things get closer, there's more pressure. So there's three spotlights, your eyeballs, your face, your chest. And when you think about pressure, you'll see a dog chewing on a bone, dog walks up, this dog goes stillness first, gives him the signal. This dog... It's not enough. He goes, I see your stillness and I'm still coming. And you see the dog go like this, eyes, then maybe a little bit of face. Do you know what I mean? And if that dog knows what he's doing, he goes, yeah, I'm all set. And he walks off, right? If he's social, because he's like, okay, you're going up the continuum and I'm unwilling to lose all those chips. So I'm going to fold. And that's how they negotiate, but it's through threats of violence. But that's based on this premise that all dogs that are genetically healthy and naturally selected don't want to actually go to the end. Like most dogs do not want to actually fight. And so they really try to stay in these bottom tier negotiating because they don't want to go up. They really don't. When you get a problem is when a dog, most times you get a problem where a dog, either a, a person has overbet. Like they played poker with somebody that just put all their fucking chips in and they're like, this is what happens. So they now jump to the end because they're like, this is where you're going. So all my chips too. And they look like an over better because they played with over betters and they learned it. But once they learn other people don't over bet all the time, they go, Oh, and they're willing to play back down here. Does that make sense? So like you can learn about over betting from bad socialization. The problem with game dogs is they don't mind going to the end. In fact, going to the end is kind of <laughs> reinforcing. Like, I would imagine. Shit, man, I actually kind of yeah. like it. Let's do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Favorite thing, really, right? Bro, if you tell me you can either have a debate with a dude or you can fist fight a dude, I'm picking fist fight. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time debating you. I'm just going to shit out of you. 
like I just enjoy fighting. Like I like to fight. It's fun to me, you know? Um, and so if you are trying negotiating with a strategy that the base concept is peace through mutually assured destruction, neither one of us want to go to the end. So we're really considered about these lower level negotiations because we really are motivated not to go to the end. When you do that with a dog that doesn't mind going to the end, it doesn't go well. You go, I'm going to push all my chips in. And they're like, put, they just immediately like all the way to the end, bro, let's fight. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 what is that? But if I put a dog like that in with other dogs, knowing it's like everybody in the room speaks French and I've got a dog that speaks German. He's not going to communicate well. If I have a dog that I know doesn't mind the end or even likes the end, and I put him in a room with people that use threats of the end in order to maintain harmony, that's going to go badly. It's going to go badly because these dogs are doing their best to avoid fighting, but they're avoiding fighting by pushing their chips in. And this guy's got a billion dollars and will push the chips in all day. doesn't give a fuck about lower level negotiating. doesn't care. Sure, sure, sure. All the chips all the time. And that makes really bad poker. So if I want to socialize a dog like that, legitimately, I have to teach alternative skills. It's like an autistic kid doesn't read the facial expressions on somebody. So they're making somebody uncomfortable, but they do not know that because they're not reading the facial cues. You take a Polaroid of a person making an uncomfortable face and you mark it, this is uncomfortable. And then eventually, even though they're not feeling it, they go, oh, you're uncomfortable. Let me back up. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, this sounds like this is an incredible amount of work, though, isn't it? For dude, if you the want average to take a, you want to take a dead game pit bull and put him in a yard with dogs, <laughs> you're going to either see fights or you're going to put in this work. That's just No, I'm glad that you say that, though, because I think oh, maybe a more this is if you're like a dog training nerd, then this is definitely a hell of a project. But if you're uh, dealing with a, a dog owner, I guess it's probably a more realistic goal just to get to the point where you can walk down the street without the dog trying to trying to kill every dog. Yeah, of course. You, I mean, it's just like teaching the dog. <clears throat> the problem is it's like people don't, I think game dogs are easier. Like nobody has a problem teaching a dog to walk past the tennis ball that they really want or the, the, the sandwich that's on the plate on the bench and we're going to walk past it and you're not going to take a cheap shot, you know? Like nobody's fucked up about how to stop that. That's just a thing that I desire that we go, hey, do something else instead, you know? And it's like, that's fine. But like, to me, the dog fighting is just another thing it wants to do. Like that's, that is so much easier than a dog that's fighting to protect its own life incorrectly. Like, like the, the DoorDash guy that knocks on the door to deliver your food. You're like, it's an ax murderer. You're like, no dude, it's DoorDash. It's fine. Like yeah. teaching a dog not to fight because it feels it must protect itself is a much harder thing than teaching a dog not to fight that just wants to fight. Like, yeah. that's just like, don't eat the ham sandwich. Don't, chase the squirrel. That's a really good, that's actually really uh -huh. interesting. Yeah, because I, I don't have a lot of experience with dogs that enjoy fighting, because like yeah. I said, we don't see a lot of it over here, but I do have a lot of experience with dogs that, you know, are fear, fear reactive and, and are just getting in first. That's so hard. That's so much harder. Do you know what I mean? That's funny, because that's oh. interesting, because I, I don't know, maybe it's just like the unknown. Like, I would assume it would be harder to deal with a dog that well, really I wants 
do you find, what do you find it harder to do on that dog? The dog that you're thinking about, which one's harder to do teaching it not to go for the food that has been thrown on the floor or teaching it not to fight the dog that's walking around the corner because he's fighting the dog because like, Oh my God, that dog's incorrectly. He's obviously incorrect, but in his mind, that dog's coming over here to kill all of us. (laughs) And I've got to, dude, that's like, you hear somebody that broke into your house downstairs and you're like, you better get out of here. I've got a gun. I'm going to fucking kill you. Like you don't have a gun. You're not going to shoot nobody, but you start saying wildly aggressive shit because you're trying to scare the dude out of your house. So it's like, they're wrong. It's benign, but they don't know that. And they're, Oh my God, if I don't fight right now, if I don't go hard right now, we're all going to die. What's harder to do? Stop him from chasing the tennis ball or stop him from doing that? Which one's harder? I guess like, I I guess though, it's, uh, it's kind of like, it's almost the same problem as when you get collies that are like, you know, they're trying to herd cars. Yes. It's basically the same issue, isn't it? Yeah, no, literally. It's like a genetically predetermined competing motivator. Yeah, it's totally. (laughs) But people... People almost always, it's like the issue that people have with those dogs is they almost always approach it like all aggression is caused from fear. And so they're treating them like they're scared. And it's like all the protocols to make the fear go away have nothing, it doesn't have anything to do with it. That's like trying to teach a crackhead not to be scared of crack. You're like, that's Yeah, but I know what you're saying, but oftentimes the solutions are kind of like, they're pretty much the same, but they just work for different reasons. Like, for example, with like, look at me training, right? Like if with a scared dog, you have some counter conditioning coming along for the ride, but you're also getting the differential reinforcement. Whereas with the dog that you're talking about. Differential reinforcement, this is an important topic, right? Because there's different types of differential reinforcement. Sure, sure. Right. So DRI, DRO, DRA, differential reinforcement of an incompatible behavior of an alternative behavior of an, any other behavior. Those are the three most commonly employed DR strategies for, for dog trainers. Right. But they're different. They're not the same thing. Does that make sense? Right. So people, they use those words like they're synonyms and they're fucking not. Right. Okay. So like an alternative behavior is something that is functionally or biologically similar. An incompatible behavior is functionally and biologically incompatible. So people use these terms like the guy knocks on the door. My dog goes and freaks out at the guy on the door. So I'm going to teach him place. I'm going to teach him an alternative behavior. That's not DRA. That's DRI. That's an incompatible behavior. That's not an alternative behavior. That's incompatible. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I'm curious how this relates to the So. The reason DRA and DRI, the reason you make different choices, an alternative behavior is always easier to get buy-in on. An incompatible behavior is harder to get buy-in on. Does that make sense? Because Yeah, that makes sense. I want to go watch a fucking punk rock show. I want to go watch Black Flag and I go, let's go watch Minor Threat instead. That's not the same thing, but that's an easier sell than let's go watch the opera. Like, that's a much harder sell. (laughs) So, so for 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 game dogs, then you're not. So are you saying don't do look at me? Do I don't know, like a tug of this they, or something so like that? Here's the thing: I've got to determine if I'm trying to use differential reinforcement. Now, this is where I go deep into the weeds, sounding like a reinforcement trainer, because in truth, I am far and away mostly reinforcement based. Do you know what I mean? Like. Because I have to be like, what are you going to do? Whoop his ass. He doesn't give a shit. He'll go into a wood chipper voluntarily. What are you going to do? You know? So I'm like, all right, here's the deal. If I want to make the 
most successful plan, I need to set my dog up for success, which means I need to select a thing that is the most likely to happen. Alternative behaviors are the most likely to be bought in on as opposed to incompatible behaviors. So if I have two dogs and both displaying aggression, one is displaying aggression because it wants a scrap. It wants to have a fucking challenge. It wants to smash. It wants to grab some shit and fucking have a fight. Like it sees the dog and goes, yes, a fucking MMA fight right now would be the shit. This is awesome. <laughs> Let's fucking do it. Right. Yeah. Another dog sees the dog displays the same aggression, the action, the, the behavior is the same. But that dog is preventatively trying to acquire space. I've got to run you yeah. That's where bat comes from, right? That's what bat's all about. 100%. Which, oddly enough, is essentially DRO with negative reinforcement. And people are like, really positive. You're like, bro, that's literally DRO. Well, it does cause controversy, but... People get all of It's silly. It's a silly argument. All the arguments are silly bullshit. Like, honestly, all the arguments are just fucking nonsense. (laughs) I hate all of them because it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. And, and, and I've never, I think it's all fucking make-believe. You got to keep me on topic. I think it's all make-believe because people talk all this shit about how you supposed to, exp- I've never once, not once in my life has a client ever gone, what methodology do you plan? Not once, never. Not- no, it never happens. But I do, <laughs> I really want to hear the end of this So Jay. Okay, because- all right. So anyway, <laughs> so here's the deal. People go, I need a functional reward, right? Like if my dog is scared, I'm going to do an incompatible behavior. I'm going to teach my dog the middle position. I have two two things I'm going to select from. I teach my dog the middle position. Go stand between my legs. I teach my dog conceptually that I will defend you when you are in the middle. Nothing will touch you. There's a two-way force field. You can't leave, but nothing can get in. This is the safe room that you go hide in when the axe murderer comes in the house. You go get in the safe room. Sure, even that though, Jay, that is actually, that's quite, this is why I love talking to people from different perspectives. Like, uh, you know, I've been really heavy in the look at me training for years, you know, uh, and as stupid as it sounds, I've never really like that's something I've never played about with. And actually, I quite like the idea. Like, I like of even just doing a middle instead of like a look middle at me. Position to me is the most important position, period. You know what I mean? Like, that is natural. Puppies do it naturally. That's natural safety. Seeking. Not that, but puppies. no. But you can do also. You can kind of do both, right? Like, you don't. You don't have to do one or the other. But man, like there are going to be times where you want to walk past the other dog and you can't do that if the dog's in the middle. No, what do you mean you can't do that? You're going to you're going to walk with the dog in the oh, middle? Yeah, dude. Tactical heel, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll go up downstairs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a necessary skill. <clears throat> I teach loose leash walk. I don't teach a heel. I teach loose leash walk in which the dog has no conflict with the perimeter that it's given, whether that's 30 feet or two feet. They, without conflict, accept the perimeter that they're given, right? They are responsible for tangles. So if I walk in between two stop signs, they got to, they're, I don't have to worry about them getting tangled because they're responsible for their tangles. And we're just on a loose leash walk. I don't give a shit if you're in front, behind, to the side. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Just loose leash walk. That's it. That's all I need. And then I have tactical heel between my legs. Eyes focused on me. Fucking (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Between my legs, look at me. We're tactical healing. I don't see a need for a regular heel position because I'm either in an emergency or I'm not. If I'm not in an emergency, 
then loose leash walk. Who gives a shit? Why do I need you in a particular, just man, just when you feel the end of the leash, respect it. And other than that, I'll give you as much room as I can safely give you and just accept what I give you. And we're good. And if it's an emergency, it's boom between my legs, tactically all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun. I like that strategy. It's like, you know, recently, um, I learned, uh, what Ivan from Ivan, uh, Balabanov, the triangle game. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and like these are things like sometimes some of the like older generations of trainers are like, oh, there's nothing new in dog training. Like it's all the same theory, and it's like, yeah, that's true. But there's lots of like you can learn so many different like clever little things that you just have never thought about doing. Yeah, just that's from like, that's like saying there's nothing new in archaeology. <laughs> there isn't there that's is a great new. that's a great analogy there is nothing new like everything's ten thousand years old bro but like <laughs> every once in a while you find something you're like holy shit i had no idea like you discover things all the time they're not new but like fuck man that's to in- uncover it and and see it for what it is is really important but this is the reason i i get like okay so i'll go this is the problem i teach my middle position as a defensive position Come here, believe in it, right? Like I'm going to protect you. And I definitely- We're talking, we should specify though, this is for, we're talking more about fearful dogs now, right? So like, I'm just going to give you two behaviors, right? There's two behaviors we can choose from. There's two two tactics we can, there's two medicines we can use for this sickness of aggression, right? I can give you between my legs and I protect you. And I can take out a bite wedge and you can fucking, and I can punch you while you're holding it. And I slam into a wall and grab your neck and try to take it. We're going to fight for this fucking toy, me and you, right? If I determine, I see aggression and people will go redirect that into a toy. But the truth is, if that dog is, is aggressing as a, pre, a, 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 a preemptive means of seeking safety, having him hit the bite wedge is an incompatible behavior. He doesn't want to be aggressive. He's not functionally being aggressive for the desire of being aggressive. He's trying to get space, man. He doesn't even want to fight. He hopes to God that dog runs away. He just wants space. So asking him to hit a tug toy is an incompatible behavior and therefore less likely to occur because if I'm trying to game plan what behaviors I want to teach when I'm doing differential reinforcement strategies, if I know alternative behaviors are easier to buy in on, I want to start with an alternative behavior. Do you know what I mean? And if, Yeah, if, I really love this. This is like, this is- If my dog really is clever. aggressing because he wants the smash, the bite wedge is an alternative. I'm going to, I see that you want the fight. Let me provide you with that. Here, hit this toy. Me and you are going to fight. And I know it's not what you wanted, but it's fucking close. And we're going to bang. That's an in, That's an alternative behavior for the dog that is aggressing as a competing motivator. The dog that's aggressing as a, I'm trying to get safety, that would be completely incompatible. And people, they don't realize, they don't think about it. Or they go, I'm going to teach middle. And that works on 99% of the dogs because most dogs are scared and aggressing for safety seeking. So I teach middle and that works beautifully. And then I have the dog that's the gamer and you're like middle. And he is like, I don't want to see a fucking opera. I want to go to the hardcore show. And you're like, yeah. no, 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 you have to watch this opera. And then we label that dog as belligerent. He's being belligerent, but he's not, dude. You, on all the other dogs, you asked for an alternative. And on this dog, you're asking for an incompatible. And we should, I, the other thing I want to specify is, we're not talking about the difference in reward here. We're talking about the behavior. So you're cueing the like, take it or whatever you want to say. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, in all important. the reinforcement, you, you're, you're, 
not when you say differential reinforcement, I'm not saying the bite wedge is the reinforcer for disengaging. The bite wedge. Yeah, is, that's that's why I wanted to yeah. make sure that we said that. No, I'm trying to say that when faced with this fork in the road, like you hit the choice point, there's a choice point where you go, I see the dog, I choose violence. I want to make sure that I put another branch. There's a fork. Yeah, it's so funny to use like to use the tug as the behavior because so often we think of the tug as the reinforcement. So it's a bit of a like a mind. Well, I mean, it, it is also the reinforcer, but it's like it's a self-reinforcing behavior, yeah. but so is the fight. And then do you know what? You're gonna get engagement as well, then, aren't you? Because the dog is gonna be like, come on, get it out. <laughs> you know, so, and they're gonna yeah. every there's there's look, there's basically three strategies. There's three strategies in in training, right? And they, they all boil down to three. Change how the dog feels, give them something else to do, tell them not to do that. Those are the three, those are the three strategies. That's that's it. That's all there is. And you can get more technical, like in the change how they feel, we have counter conditioning, desensitization, and uh, give them something else to do. We have differential reinforcement of incompatible other alternative behaviors, increased rates of behavior, decreased rates of behavior, all that shit, right? And tell them not to do it. There's punishment strategies. Those are the three ways that we can change behavior. I think if you, I think the failure for most trainers is that they rely on only one or two of the branches. Do you know what I mean? And then almost every strategy is just, where do you start? Do you know what I'm saying? Because what I started with in in that scenario, I started with give them something else to do. They see the dog, they want to fucking scrap. They get angry and they want a place to put it. And I go, ready? They flip to me for the toy. We hit the toy. And now they put all that anger, literally like putting the picture of the kid that you hate on the heavy bag and hitting the heavy bag. (laughs) Like, you're going to put all that hate into this. And I'm going to give you this opportunity. Well, that's DRA. No problem. Cool. Awesome. Great. Wonderful. Eventually, my dog has DRA. Like my dog is 100% successful with DRA. We see a dog. I say, ready, cue him to the toy. Boop. We play tug all the way past the shitty fucking shih tzu, right? At some point, I'm going to say out. And when I say out, there's one moment where you're not hitting the toy. In that one moment, you're in DRI. You are in front of a dog, but not engaging in violent behavior. Does that make sense? But it's one fucking second. And when I can draw that out, I can say out, two, three, four. Yes, now you got four seconds of incompatible behavior. At some point, I can ask you for work. Play tug, out, down, sit, heel. Yes, back to the tug. But now we're doing 45 seconds of incompatible behavior. I can wean you from DRA to DRI. Because now you see the dog and I go heel, and you heal all the way past the dog. And at the end, I go, yes. And now I'm doing 100% DRI, not DRA. Does that make sense? And I can yeah, it makes a lot dog sense. from DRA to DRI, which is great. But what happens is eventually they see the dog. They look at me in anticipation of the other behaviors leading to rewarding events. And now I have successfully also, I did DR strategy. So I changed, I gave them something else to do. But I've also gone over here subtly and changed the first parameter I said, which is change the way they feel. Because now they have a conditioned emotional response of appetite of attention to me instead of conditioned emotional response of aggression towards the dog. So I've mm-hmm. done both. I've changed how they feel and given them something else to do. Now, at some point, if that choice is still in their head and they make the play one day, I, as a trainer, would go, no, and use punishment strategies. 
I would use all three. If you limit yourself with one of those, you take one of those away. If you take counter conditioning desensitization off the table and you're left only with punishment and, and differential reinforcement, man, you're going to, you're going to be less elegant with a lot of dogs. You're going to miss some dogs. You know, if you take punishment off the table, you're going to miss some dogs. If you take differential reinforcement off the table and just do classical conditioning and punishment, you're, you're going to miss. So I think the question is more about where do you start? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where do you start? Do you do click for reactivity protocol and start with counter conditioning? And then when the dog starts flipping to you to look for activity, you ask them for behavior. So we started with counter conditioning and, and went to differential reinforcement and then layer on punishment at the end. Are you the kind of guy that starts with, no, you fucking don't do that. And then in the absence of that choice, when the dog is like, well, what the fuck do I do? We give them differential reinforcement that eventually changes how they feel. You know what I mean? Like, where do you, where do you start with those pillars? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure we hit, like, I feel like this is very easily could slip into like a free hour podcast. And I want to make sure we <laughs> That's hit the, the thing. biggest problem that most people have. with. <laughs> so I want to, I want to hit some of these subjects. The okay. one question we kind of, we moved on from what about the bait dog situation that a lot oh, of people yeah, are terrified okay. of? <clears throat> so here's the deal. <laughs> bait dogs aren't real, right? That's just not, but okay. You just have to use logic, right? Like I know that sounds ridiculous. And again, I can't speak to the torture porn style of bullshit because if you're the kind of person that is setting dogs on fire to see which one burns faster, I have no fucking idea what you're doing. I don't, I have no idea, but that's not, I mean, that sounds weird to say that's not dog fighting. That is just animal torture of various kinds. People that are involved in fighting dogs where, and even if the people that are doing new school torture porn dog fighting now are the majority, the breed was from decades, millennia of people dog fighting in the old school way. In the, in the history of the blood of the dog, the torture porn version is the last 10 years. Does that make sense? So like when we're talking about border collies, maybe border collies haven't been on a farm for the last 10 years, but they still have border collie blood. Right. And so like, when we're talking about the development of the dog, I'm not, I'm not defending dog fighting. I'm talking about what the dog is, knowing what the dog is by knowing what they were selected for. Right. <clears throat> so I got my kid, my, my kid's fighting. If I got a kid that's getting ready to fight, who do I bring in for sparring partners? Do I bring in scared 12 year olds? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm yeah. No, him, makes sense. I'm going to make him worse at fighting. If you bring in what people are referring to as bait dogs, terrified, small, like that, what? how the fuck is that preparing my dog for a four-hour fight? That's absolute insanity. I would never have a boxer fight a bunch of children and then take him to the ring to fight a fucking champion. That's never, that, that makes <laughs> no sense. Then people go, oh, well, let's logic this out, right? Let's logic this out. <laughs> we have, I want to, I want to, I'm not using it for a dog that's currently fighting. Cause that makes no sense. I'm going to use it to build a dog for fighting. So my dog gets put in a pit, has no interest in fighting whatsoever. So what I need to do is put a squeaky little pissy scared dog in there. That's going to go ee, 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 and eventually trigger his prey response. And he's going to get on him. And then I'm going to put a bunch more dogs. So his habitual response to seeing a dog is go for it. How many protection trainers do you know 
because protection trainers are doing the same thing. They're selecting for dogs that are going to accomplish a goal. How many protection trainers, you know, take a dog out, try two, three, four times to get it on a rag. It does nothing. They don't go, let's get a fluffy squeaky rag. Let's like, let's go get, let, let's coat the rag with peanut butter and see if we can't cajole him into interest in the rag. What do they do? They go, that dog's not going to work. Fuck off. Next puppy. Does that make sense? NFL football, like teams, scouts don't go find kids that don't want to play football and then try to convince them to play football. Like you go around looking for the fucking guys that want football bad. And then you take them and present them. Protection trainers do it. Agility trainers do it. Tracking dog people do it. You know what I'm saying? They don't find the, I don't want to do this dog and try to find a way to get them to be able to sort of do it. They find the dogs that want it so bad and then go, let's make them into something. So it makes no sense for a breeding program to use a tool that encourages weak ass dogs. Like you wouldn't, you'd wash those dogs. Those dogs get washed. Those dogs are not part of the breeding program because they don't want it. They're not good tracking dogs. They're not good protection dogs. They're not good pit dogs. So the, the bait is just, it's not real. If you got a dog with scars on it, likely it was in some fights in a yard somewhere. Like likely it was in a play group and got a little fucking shitty and it got fucked up a little bit and that happened. Now, sometimes you can get dogs, <clears throat> pit dogs that wash out. Like a lot of protection dogs wash out the moment they do a fucking, uh, what do you call it? An assessment. You bring the dog, you're like, I'm going to get my dog into PSA and the decoy assesses your dog and goes, honey, this dog's not going to do PSA. I'm going to sell you. You know, like they wash out in the early. Some dogs show a little potential get through the program a little bit, but then when the pressure starts to get a little too much, they, they get washed out. Then that's where you get scarred up dogs. You know what I'm saying? But if you think about it, like you're talking about a criminal enterprise. So like how many people like after a criminal enterprise leave evidence of their crimes around, like, do you know what I mean? Like, dude, like if, if I wash a dog, if I'm, and I wouldn't do this, but like, if I'm a guy that like that dog is not going to make it, I'm not going to just turn it fucking loose in my yard. I'm not going to turn it loose on the street and let somebody find it. And they keep finding every month. They find another one of those dogs. Dude, cops are coming to my house sooner or later. Like that's stupid. I'm also not going to put it in my car and waste gas money to drive it three towns over to drop it off. I'll fucking shoot it. Like I'm not saying I would do that. I would never do that. I'm not that guy. But the guys we're talking about, like, what? how do you think these dogs by the hundreds are getting to shelters? It's just crazy. If your dog's scarred up, he probably got in a tiff. So what was, what was, can you tell us a bit more about like, what made you step away from it? Like what, what made you kind of realize that this isn't for you? I couldn't put my finger on it uh, for a long time. I got an unease in my stomach, right? And I made a deal with myself when I was very young. Uh, there's a particular knot in my stomach that demands action. Like if I get a knot in my stomach, I'm like, okay, I must act. Like I, because every time I've ever felt that and didn't act, I fucking hated myself. Like that's just the deepest regrets. I can't ever look at something I deeply regret and not go. I had no knot. It was a total surprise. I had no knot in my stomach. That's never happened. So 
I got this knot in my stomach and I was like, I can't do this. Right. I just, I just don't want to watch this. I don't want to be around it. Right. And, uh, I couldn't, I was actually really conflicted about it because I still enjoyed fighting. Like I was fighting for money. I would go to punk rock shows and get kicked in the teeth to music. And I was like, we like, I just love violence in all its forms. You know, you should, we should say as well, that obviously you, you're really involved in MMA as well for people that don't know you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm better at, fighting lamb dogs you know what i mean <laughs> like i yeah yeah uh, jiu-jitsu is my first love and like teaching uh is my jam right but anyway so it's like <clears throat> i couldn't really articulate it and actually what happened was in a, in in a jail cuz i grew up in a kind of weird set of ways right i actually figured out what my deal was by talking to a pedophile right Like, this is a really weird thing, but like, I literally had the moment where I was like, just because I watch like the Jeffrey Dahmer documentaries, I watch CSI, like I have a dark curiosity, right? And one day I'm like, hey, before I beat you to death, (laughs) I just want you to explain just, just what the fuck do you like, what, like how, you know what I mean? Like, we were going to smash the guy anyway, but I just had this dark, like, I need you to tell me. I need to understand this. What the fuck is wrong with you, right? And the dude was trying to explain his shit to me. And as sad as it was, as disgusting as it was, all I heard, he was using the exact same lines that dogfighters used to me. That sounds really fucked up, but he was like, I've never done anything to a kid that didn't consent to it that didn't want to do it do you know what i mean and i know that's disgusting to hear and don't worry we smashed the guy like (laughs) he didn't have a good afternoon um but it was like i hear when people talk to dog fighters and they go uh you're making them fight dog fighters like you're out of your mind dude they love it and people that don't understand fighting can't understand how that could be true because most people would find what I do for a hobby. They wouldn't want to do it. If you put a gun to their head, if you said jump off a roof or fight in a cage, they jump off a roof. You know what I mean? So it's like, they can't understand how a being could want to do that. But dog fighters see the dogs choosing, wanting to go, man. I choose, like, I want, I want to go. And they go, you're wrong because they want it. That day, that dude explained to me how like, the kid that they were in trouble for came to court and begged the judge not to do anything. Now in that moment, what I realized was it's, it's informed consent. Yes. That kid air quotes consented, but that's fucking wrong because that kid cannot possibly give consent. It's a fucking child. Does that make sense? And that's when it hit me. Yes. Ah. The dog wants to do it. They're not wrong. What they see is a being going all in. I want this. What's wrong about it is that being can't possibly consent because they're not cognitively developed enough to understand what's happening. Now, I take proof of this in the same way. There's nothing wrong with a relationship between two consenting adults. A relationship between two humans doesn't require one needing fucking therapy for life. But every single one of those kids that in air quotes consented needs fucking therapy for life because of the damage done by that relationship. Same thing. I fought. Every time I fought, I took the dude out. I have a tradition. Take the guy out to IHOP afterwards and we have pancakes. That's a tradition. I've taken every single opponent except one. One was a piece of shit. He was a racist prick and I fucking hated him. (laughs) But that's the only one. Everybody else, we go out to dinner afterwards. I take him to dinner. 
I've become best friends with dudes that I fight. My wife has become best friends with women that she's fought. Like we're still in touch with these people. Like it creates bonds, right? It makes me a better person, more able to healthily relate to other people. And it creates bonds between me and my opponent and the dogs. That's not true. If my dog, if I could, if I could put a fucking, you know, mind reading machine on my dog and know that he had actual informed consent and consented. And then afterwards he could share a bowl of food with the dog he just got out of the pit with, and they could snuggle up and be besties afterwards. Honestly, I let him fight still because the fight is not what I have a problem with. It's what does it do to you after? Did it make you better? Did it make you more able to navigate your world, create more bonds and find moments of beauty? Or did it just make shit worse? And so in humans, the fighting can find moments of beauty. They can give you more friendships. They make you better. I'm more a healthy part of society today because I fight, because I have places to put that, right? Whereas with the dogs, it doesn't. It makes them worse with their own kind. It doesn't create more friendship bonds. They can't let it go afterwards. If they see that dog again, they're going to fight again. They're not going to have dinner together. They're not going to be best friends after the fucking pit. And that's when I was like, okay, I now have the understand. I had a knot, but I couldn't explain it. Now I realize it's because it is not true consent. Yes, they do want to. Yes, they're asking to do it. You're not forcing them. I, I get it. They are 100% consenting, but they're not able to because they're not cognitive. And the, the, the proof that I am correct is in the fact that it makes them worse with their own kind and less able to navigate the world afterwards. If they could share a bowl after, I'd, I'd honestly probably let them do it still, yeah. which is going to upset a lot of people, but I don't know what to say. Like fighting doesn't bother me. Becoming a less healthy version of yourself bothers me. Fighting done well should make you a better version of yourself, not a worse version of yourself. Yeah. Well, and your whole point is dogs aren't capable of that. <laughs> but that's, that's the problem. You think you're seeing, you can, these people convince themselves that they're seeing the end of Rocky. Do you know what I mean? Like they convince themselves they're seeing the moment where it's like, get up, you son of a bitch. Mickey loves you. I had a moment with my wife fighting Shayna Baszler, Trump Taj Mahal, right? A long time ago. And this is back when shit was kind of still weirdly unregulated. Like every state was different with the rules and shit. And there was a draw. And instead of just calling it a draw, they did an overtime round, which is just absurd and unheard of, <laughs> like overtime round. She came back to the corner and her face was all fucked up. Like nose flattened, fucking we had to go to the hospital afterwards, MRI or shit was all broke and like covered in blood and very upset because like I didn't do enough. And they were untaping her gloves. And like, that's when everybody relaxes and it's very hard to start again once you think you're done. And they walk up and go, we're doing an overtime round. And I was like, very emotional. I was like, now we get to see who the fuck you are. Like all that shit you were just saying, how you felt, go out there and show it. Like now's your chance. Dude, she taped back up, walked out and smashed her. And that was one of the most beautiful, that's like watching Rocky, but live action. Like that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That was the day I said, I'm in love with you. I want to marry you. She's amazing. That's what they think they're seeing, but they're not. They're seeing a child like not be able to consent. You know what I mean? Even if they say yes, it's not okay. Even though the dog is consenting, you're not seeing it. If it can't be that deep and beautiful thing, it's torture porn. It's not beautiful. It's disgusting, but it's disgusting because of what's in their head. Not to the me. It's not disgusting because of the act. 
it's disgusting because of the cognition of the person involved in the act. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Here in the UK, we have like the big, the big news story involving dogs at the moment is we have like this massive popularity surge in XL bullies. And there's been like quite a lot of high profile fatalities and like it's, it's a massive uh, issue. And obviously there's a lot of people that are, you know, I, I see that they're actually really into dogs. They're very interested in dogs, but they're just going about it in such a wrong way. Uh, they're not training the dogs. They're, you know, I think oftentimes it's like, it's probably not seen as a bad thing that the dogs are aggressive and they're massive dogs. Yeah. And I always think when I see this, I, I think of you sometimes because I think you're the kind of person that would actually be able to get through to a lot of these kids. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, again, you take a kid like me in school and you go, you shouldn't fight. You shouldn't be aggressive. You're broken. You're wrong. This is bad. You're never going to reach. Me. You try to make me go to the fucking church choir. You're never going to reach me. Somebody that was like, hey, man, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's a place for you, but it's over here. And this is you know what I mean? like, and you can't fight at red lights. You have to fight in the gym. And you, you know what I mean? Like, like we can have jobs for you to do the way you can get some of that in and we can have recreation for you to do where you can get some of that in, but you can't do it in the library for no reason. So I'm curious what your solution would be because, uh, you know, we have this discussion of banning XL bullies. You know, a lot of people feel like that's just going to push, just pushing the ball down the road. Uh, you know, there's, so then people start saying, well, maybe we should just license dogs so you can kind of tie the dog to the owner and there's more responsibility. Maybe they have to do mandatory education before they own a dog like that. What are your thoughts? I don't know, man. Like the problem is I'm an anarchist at heart. So like, how do you regulate anything immediately is like, I don't like any of it. I don't want anybody to tell me anything at all. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's a bit of a social problem that I have no answer for because yeah, I, I, it, once you start trying to regulate things, it starts to get like <clears throat> individual freedoms versus health of the organism. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's cancer in your body, you cut out what they call a margin. You like, you cut a wide margin. That's perfectly healthy cells that didn't need to die, <laughs> but they got to go because we got to make sure we get the problem dealt with, right? If you tried to save every cell that wasn't cancerous, you're not going to have a margin. The shit's going to spread. And the problem is each of those cells is like a person. When we're talking about the health of a societal organism and we have an issue, we have to deal with that issue. But invariably, if you try to actually deal with that issue, you're cutting out a whole, like there's going to be people that are like, what the fuck? I didn't deserve what I just received. But are you talking about individual liberties? Or are you talking about health of the organization? Well, you said, you said like you want to bring those people in and give them an outlet. Like, how do you do that? I started a dog sport. <laughs> like, you know, when so I would, appeal to people that have like XL bullies and I mean, not like necessarily XL bullies, like it should be any dog, but yeah, man, like uh, I was around Pitbull games when I was a kid. Um, weight pole, wall climb, how does the the sports, the GRC, the uh, the weight pull, all that stuff? How does that encourage or like emphasize temperament though for the, for the problem I'm talking about with the bullies? 
Man, so first, uh, for me in any dog, like when before I start doing any kind of behavior modification or any bullshit like that, uh, for me, I kind of follow a, a concept I got from Chad Mackin, right? So the layered stress model. First, you make sure the dog's healthy. Like, are is is if they're being aggressive because of a thyroid dysregulation, there's no amount of cookies or prong collars that's going to fix that. You know what I mean? Like, we got to get their health squared away. Like, is their health clean, good, awesome, wonderful? The next thing up is lifestyle. If I don't go to the gym on a regular basis, I would murder people. Like I would be not fit for this world. If I didn't have my jujitsu gym five days a week, I would not be okay. And so there's a lot of dogs the same way. The further you get away from the lifestyle that you were destined for, the more stress and problems you develop. Right. Um, and we understand that with border collies, we do agility and we fucking throw the tennis ball a bunch and whatever. But like pit bulls were designed to dig in, fight through adversity and not quit. So where do they get that? Cause we throw the Frisbee for five or 10 minutes. They're going to do it. They're going to have wicked fun, but they're not going to have that. Do you know what I mean? Like when I do jujitsu, it doesn't feel the same as if you put me on an elliptical and burned a similar amount of calories, even though my physicality is the same in my head, I'm not satisfied. Cause yeah, I, this that. is one of my favorite things I heard you talk about was you were saying, you know, oftentimes when it comes to dog fitness, like the vision that comes to everyone's head is like balancing on balls and stuff like that. Yeah. And you- <laughs> I mean, the issue is that the, the dog world, the dog world is usually whatever, like 30 years or so behind humans. Right. And so it's like, it's going to like 30, 40 years ago, the only people that lifted weights were meatheads. Like the dudes in prison lifted weights, dudes in gold's gem lifted weights. Like, Maybe maybe 50 years ago, your average dude was not the planet fitness was not a thing. Most physical therapists were doing massage and range of motion. They weren't telling people to load up a barbell, right? It just wasn't the case. And so at some point, somebody realized that it is beneficial to lift weights beyond to get huge muscles, beyond to do powerlifting sports, like just to build a robust, durable body that survives life better lifting weights, like loaded weight bearing resistance is a, is a wonderful thing. And so it slowly made its way into the physical therapy world and then made its way into the general population. Now there's not a single badminton team in the world that doesn't have a fucking weightlifting coach. You know what I mean? Volleyball and how do you, players, how do you do that with dogs? Like, how do you do the weightlifting? This is, with dogs? this is the issue, right? Like with humans, we can put them in complicated machines to create load, we have hands so we can hold barbells. We put a bar on our back and it goes in line with our spine, evenly distributed through our body by holding a barbell on our back. But with a dog, if they're on all fours, they're quadrupeds. If you put weight on their back, like a backpack, it transects the spine. And that's not good for you. You need the weight to go along the length of the spine, be evenly distributed through the body. So everybody understands now in dogs that we need resistance training to make robust body. But because dogs are quadrupeds, it's difficult to create resistance and load. So we underwater treadmill because there's some resistance and like fit pause type shit, proprioceptive equipment where you're balancing or parachutes when you run or whatever. They're, they're throwing fucking mud at the wall trying to get something to stick because they got to create resistance. But weight pull is such an 
unknown thing in the dog in the general dog world that it's still relegated to meatheads or not not as bad anymore 20 years ago it was absolutely meathead oriented now ukc has weight pull and and so now there's you know joe house you know housewife guy and like these different people like coming from the crochet club with their little poodle and do some weight pull like it's starting to get out of the meathead realm and into the a little more of the general public but it hasn't yet hit mainstream like it should be that every single person that does dog sports ought to do weight pull with their dog because weight pull, not the sport of weight pull, the exercise of weight pull, just like every single athlete, regardless of discipline, lifts weights. They're not powerlifting. They're not going to competitions and huffing ammonia and fucking bleeding out of their nose while they squat, but they are lifting weights to make their bodies more robust to survive the sports that they do, Right. And that I think in the next 20, 30 years is where dogs will go because weight pole is starting to catch on. Weight pole starting. So, to- so you said something then and you kind of moved on. Uh, so does that mean that dog yeah, backpacks dog, dog backpacks are bad news? Don't not good. Bad news. I mean, they're a way to create resistance. And if you keep the weight wicked low, you know what I mean? Adding a slight amount of resistance isn't bad, but you can't really give much load. The more load you have, the more adaptive. Uh, uh, stimulus you have, but you can't really load them. One, they transect the spine and two, they have constant tension. Unless the dog lays down, the, there's constant tension. That so they sense. never get a break. Do you know what I mean? With a weight pull harness, the weight is being drugged behind you. So every time you stop moving, the weight is gone. The harness weighs four ounces. So unless you're leaning into the harness, you're, you're unweighted entirely. So you can do uh, cycles. The dog can always take a break and unload the joints. Whereas a backpack, they would have to literally physically lay down to remove the pressure. And even then it's still, they're laying down and now there's still weight. I don't know if you've ever had a backpack on, but if you got wicked tired from carrying a backpack and you laid on your chest and let the weight push down on you, you're not going to be like, ah, this is relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking crushing me, dude. Now, if it's super, super light, like you got a dog with a backpack on and he's carrying two scoops of food. Cause that's where you're going to feed him at the top of the mountain. Dude, that's six ounces. Dude, who gives a shit? Like whatever, but to load it up, to actually try to create adaptive pressure in their body. No, man, like that's not the way. The, the issue I see with, with uh weight pool is it's hard to get into. Like if you don't know anything, like where do you start? Well, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Look, look up GRC Dog Sports, right? Um, if you go to the GRC Dog Sports discussion group, you can get people that will tell you 8 million ways to start. If you look at, I think, man, we stopped the podcast a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure the Patreon still has material on it. Uh, you can get on the old GRC Dog Sports Patreon page and there's a literal how to start, where you start, where to get harnesses, how to fit them, like I make like workout programs, like you can look at, this is where you start linear progression, make workout programs for it. You know? Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's tons of material out there. If you get on GRC dog sports, you'll find tons of material. Oh, it, is, it is a bit of a closed, it is a bit of a closed world. You know what I mean? It's is that, like, is that like a, a, a minimum age or like, what can you do with young dogs? A year around a year is when the 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 joints and the bones are are solid enough that you can start pushing the body. Um, now that's breed dependent. So like for some dogs that might be eight months, for some dogs that's a year and a half. But the general recommendation is a year. 
And so it's like, uh, if you're going to do actual heavy weight, if you're going to stress the dog, the, the, the dog's body, you need to have that cleared with a vet. So it is a generally around a year, but you know, you ask your vet to do images specifically for your dog. So you can make sure that they're good to go before that you do picture building. Right. So like, I don't want to take a one-year-old dog and the first time they ever experience a harness and a thing dragging behind them is when it's also heavy, you know? So I put them in their harness and let them get acclimated to their harness. I put little, I'll take a little eight week old puppy, put them in a harness and put little bitty plastic chains. They did away nothing, but like it's jinga, jinga, jinga. It's little chika, chika, chika behind them. Getting used to it. And they're like, yeah, this is what I do. And you're like, yeah, that's what you do. You know, and they don't care. So by the time their body's old enough to handle the physicality of it, we can start loading it up and their mind is ready for it. So I would train the picture with puppies, but I wouldn't train the physicality until they're fully formed. You know, what about cardio? Like, what do you do for cardio? Man, I mean, outside of everything I do with my dogs. So, I mean, uh, I play tug with my dogs. I do spring pole with my dogs. Both of those, even though they're muscular, they're also cardiovascularly taxing. We do treadmill work with our dogs. So like they run treadmills, uh, I mean, slap mills so they can actually full out sprint, not electric mills. Um, wall climb we do with our dogs outside of hiking and shit like that. Um, I have had one dog who was a pit bull, beautiful, beautiful red nose pit. And she identified as a husky. And so she would play no pit bull games. None. Wouldn't do any of it. But we got a scooter and got her on a mushing harness and she would do mushing sports. So I did scooter joring and candy cross with her because we went competed. So like, yeah, she, I think what you do is find the activity that makes your dog that makes their soul kind of happy and then do that, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, the games that we play are in and of themselves exercise. We don't do random exercises for no reason. You know, weight pull might count as that, but we actually compete in it. So it's not nothing. But even if my dogs don't compete, if they're not into weight pull, we still do drag work because whatever games and activities they do play, I want their body to be as strong, as robust as it can be so it can survive the games we play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh I know you have to to run Jay, but honestly that was like a that's a fascinating conversation. Uh, you you have a lot of like unique ways of viewing things, so it's uh, it's really good. I'm unique. <laughs> it's really good. To, to really good to talk to you and obviously you mentioned all of the GRC resources there, but yeah. is there anything else that you anywhere else that people should check out or find you or anything like that? I mean, yeah, I'm not the really self-promoter guy, bro. I don't really do it. Uh, GRCdogsports.com is where you can get information about that sport so you can get your dogs involved. Uh, Am I right, Jay? Are you coming to the UK? I feel like you are. I don't know. I I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. You need to have to ask my wife. I have no idea. I literally don't know. She puts in my calendar. She puts in my calendar, like Boston Airport, and then a confirmation number. And I go and they're like, where are you flying? And I'm like, I fucking don't know. And I give them the confirmation number and they tell me, like, it's, like a child. it's like when a 12 year old flies. That's, I literally have no idea. I'll see if I can find out if you are, then I'll put it I'm in the I'm sure service. I am at some point. I mean, I don't know. Like who knows? But like, I was there recently and I'm pretty sure they're trying to get me. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if a date's been set. I don't know. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting confused. Maybe, maybe we've probably, already missed I it. I don't know. It's probably, I probably am. I don't know. I'm, I'm a fucking horrible. <laughs> I really honestly, like I don't, business is not, I just, I can't, 
Mandy does all that stuff because she has a better tolerance for it than me, but neither one of us are good at it. But I just, I can't, I can't think about money and, and I I just can't, I like, I kind of do what I do and I can't think about the rest of it. I mean, it's probably like I grew up without, man, I grew, I grew up kind of as a criminal, you know, until 2003, even what I did for money was illegal. You know what I mean? Everything was just like, you know, like a fight fought professionally and it was on television. You could rent my fights in the, in the fucking blockbuster, but the fight that you rent in the blockbuster, that was an illegal event. We could have gotten arrested if the cops showed up, you know what I mean? So it was like, it, it's a weird, it's a, it was a weird thing, but it's like, I didn't even like have bank accounts. Like, how am I going to have a fucking, I can't have a bank account, put, you know, I'd make thousands of bucks in a weekend and I got to fucking make up where it's from. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want the IRS in my shit. I'm a criminal. So like, yeah, I just had money under a gun in the closet for fucking <laughs> whole life. I don't, I don't know what's happening. So then my wife comes along and she's like, no, we're going to have bank accounts. We're going to pay taxes. We're doing all this shit. And I was just like, you can do, you can do whatever you want. You do whatever you want with all of that. And I just, I don't know. I just, I have nothing to do with it. I just go like, you talk to Mandy about it. she, takes money. People be like, can no I pay you for the lesson? I'm like, nah, man, just talk to Mandy. I don't even want to take it. I just don't even want to touch it. I hate, I hate dealing with it. Yeah. Cause it's like, dude, if I'm looking at you and I'm trying to train your dog, that's what I'm supposed to be thinking about. If I'm thinking like, did you pay the invoice? Like, I don't, I just, man, like I want people to know that my interaction with them is authentic. If I look like I like you, it's cause I fucking like you. It's not cause I'm working you for money. I don't even know if you paid or how much you paid. I don't fucking don't care. So like, if I feel like I can be more just focused on authenticity and doing what I need to do instead of thinking about the other shit, I'm also yeah. very bad at it. So like, yeah, she saves me like without her, I'd be living in a fucking, I'd be living in the closet in my gym still. When she met me, I was like living in the closet in the gym. So yeah. <laughs> Thankfully somebody's dealing with it, but like, dude, we moved into a new location a year and a half, two years ago, beautiful new spot, moved our gym beautiful new spot. I have not plugged in my phone. You cannot call my gym. Like it's just not plugged in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just, I just <laughs> like I am trying to call you and join. And I'm like, listen, if that stops you, how bad did you want to train? You know? So I can't, I can't, I can't give business advice. I can give training advice a lot, but anytime I go places to teach seminars and they're like, well, how would you put that into a marketing? I'm like, bro, don't even ask me. I fucking don't know. I have no idea. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I am, but I don't know. No, what. I think a lot of dog trainers are like that actually, you know, they're interested in dog training. They're not interested in business, but it's tough. It's tough to make a living. You know, if you, if you ignore it, man, I just don't. Yeah. It's weird. This is part of the white trash kid in me, but like, I have no fear of not eating. Do you know what I mean? Like people are like, Oh, how do you do that? Like, aren't you straight? I'm like, I just don't like, if I do what I do and I do it well, it'll work. And so my, my business plan is just be fucking awesome and it'll work out. And if it doesn't work out, dude, like I can go anywhere in the fucking world and get a job bouncing, like anywhere in the world, I can work security at the drop. I could go make good money tonight just walk any bar in the world and get a gig. Like it, it's, I, yeah, I can work collections. I can do, do you know what I mean? Like if you are skilled at violence, you can make money. It's just, 
It's just, it's like an electrician can always make money. A doctor can always make money. Like you can always make money. If you're good at smashing things, you can always make money. And worse things work. <laughs> if it goes really, really bad, I'll just fucking take their shit. So I'm not, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll eat. I'm a, I'm a upstanding member of society because my wife has made it more convenient for me to be that way. But I'm just like a uh, stumble away from just being me again. Like, it, <laughs> so. And yeah. And it's also bad to talk like, Whoa, Holy shit. There's a deer standing right in front of my window. Holy, oh, wow. that is crazy. And the dogs are too old to worry about it. Good for you, buddy. Well, hey. thanks for coming on, Jay. I really appreciate it. I got distracted. ADD. Sorry. There's a, <laughs> literally right there. That's fucking. Happening, dude. <laughs> I'm trying to let you go to your next appointment. Oh yeah, yeah. I got it. That's right. I have an appointment. I gotta go. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Before you go, if you're feeling very kind of passionate now about going and trying some uh, canine fitness related stuff here in Bristol in England, we are about to run an event on October the 7th, which is an introduction to bike drawing with our expert Kat Le Chevalier, who is a fantastic bike drawing and candy cross competitor. And we'd really love you to come. So if you want to come and check it out, then you can go to Hound Plus com and then click on the events tab and you'll see it there and you'll be able to sign up so hope to see you in person but if not i'll see you on the next episode